I'm a 50 year old man, but I still feel like a teenager emotionally. What's my problem? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. What's going on, you guys? Tyler here. I'm again on my own. Brandon is still at the conference. He went to a plant medicine conference this week on last notice. So he left me here to hold down the fort. And I'm actually really excited for him. This is uh, for Brandon. It's one of his like current passions. There's some of the research that's going on there. And I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of benefit from him having attended this conference in future episodes as he comes back and shares with me some of the things that he's learning and what we're finding out about plant-based medicine. Um, so Brandon, I hope you're having a good time. I'm jealous of you. It sounds like a really interesting opportunity for you to be able to go. He was invited last minute, so he didn't have to pay for his own ticket or anything, which is awesome. Um, but before we jump into anything else today, I'm just going to talk about a question that, that came up in my group. But before we do that, I just wanted to mention a couple of things. One is just from the bottom of my heart, uh, Brandon, I was, I was just looking at our list. We've, we're up well into the 200s on episodes now. And that's been over the course of just a couple of years. And in my wildest dreams, I never would have thought we'd be filming into the hundreds of episodes now. We kind of started just filming together for the fun of it, a way for us to spend some time with each other and also hopefully provide some of the things that we do day to day in our counseling practices. But maybe just share it with people who might not have the same opportunities or experiences that some of our other clients get. And over the last few years, we've received so much connection, so much support, so much encouragement from so many of you listening. I just wanted to take a minute to just say thank you to those of you who are listeners here and those of you who give us the feedback that you do. Thank you for who you are and what you do. It makes what we do here even that much more rewarding. So just really, really glad that you're here with us. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention is, is that we have, we're now open and moving towards, we're getting kind of all the way into summer now and summer flows by really quickly. We have upcoming the Rising Sun Retreat. If you go to risingsun.org, S-O-N is sun, risingsun.org, you can look at what that is, what it entails, what it has to offer. In my opinion, the retreats that we do are one of the my favorite things to do personally because of the emotional experience that it brings and the connection that it brings from me towards the people who come, but also some of the shifts that we see happen at these retreats are really, I, I would call them miraculous. And it's not by anything that we're necessarily doing other than creating some space for the change that's already ready to happen inside of the people that attend are able to come and experience. So for you men who are out there looking at ways to maybe up your game in your own, not just your own personal recovery for sobriety, but in your lives and just stepping into the kind of man that you're trying to become and want to become or that God is calling you to be, uh, take a look at the risingsun.org and see if that's right for you. Um, all right. So 
Let's talk a little bit about this question today. This question actually came from one of my clients in group this last week, and it's been having me, I've been sitting on it for a while, thinking about it. We had a discussion in group about it, and I thought it was informational enough and insightful enough that I wanted to share it with our audience because I think there's a lot of other people who would relate to this. So in essence, here's the question. I'm a 50-year-old man. I am successful in my career. I have a family, grown kids. I, by all means, on the outside, I, I look successful. People would see me as successful. But on the inside, I feel like I'm a teenage boy still. And there's certain parts of that that I don't like. I sometimes show up a little bit immature in my relationship with my wife. I sometimes show up a little bit immature in my relationship with other people. I sometimes find myself feeling like I'm in a, a one down position with say people at work that even maybe even I'm a superior over at work, but somehow I find myself feeling in the one down position in that relationship. Um, I'm 50 years old and I'm looking up to, you know, a, a mid thirties person for my mentoring sometimes. Um, is there a problem with that? So that's, that's the general question that came up. I feel a lot younger emotionally than I am physically. And I wonder if it's causing problems in my relationships, in my recovery. Is there something wrong with me? That's the question. So I, I broke it down into a few different pathways that we could pursue and talk about here. And maybe it will resonate. Some of these pathways will resonate for some of you and some of the pathways won't resonate. And so just take what's valuable, see if it applies. And if it applies, then you can decide what you want to go and do with it. So the first thought that I had, and this is funny, as soon as I got the question was asked to me, I was actually thinking about a conversation that I have frequently with my wife. And uh, I often say that I love doing my groups. And one of the things that I love about doing with my men's groups in particular, and I tell my wife this all the time, is that when I run a men's group, sometimes it feels to me like I, in addition to doing the therapy that we're doing and trying to have the change that we're having, it, it feels like I get to hang out with my high school buddies. For an hour and a half sometimes with my men's group so in essence what that means is like it, you could go along with this question maybe emotionally speaking sometimes it feels like i'm back in high school again talking through things with a group of men that range anywhere from their 60s all the way down to their 20s and yet there's an element of that that is fun for me because it feels like i'm hanging out with my high school buddies right now you can take that both positive and negatively and i want to talk about that a little bit later in the episode but in essence there's some research here that I wonder if is playing a role for this question, if you relate to this question. And the research was done actually with marijuana users. So there's no research that shows that it might translate to some other type of addiction, whether it's sexual addiction or other forms of substance use or whatever. But it's at least worth considering and throwing it out there that this might be part of the possibility of what's going on for you. And what it says is the research is looking at you know, we, we get a score for IQ, like our intelligent, our intellectual quotient, right? That's how smart we are, you know, rationally speaking, right? There's also something that gets measured called the EQ or the emotional quotient. And the EQ sort of measures how emotionally mature you are. So if I were to score as an EQ, 
of of like a 16 i'm operating in many ways as emotionally as a 16 year old boy so to speak <laughs> as i'm saying this I could already imagine that my wife's going to be like, yeah, Tyler, you act like a 16 year old boy emotionally. A lot of the time, <laughs> this isn't a secret. Right. Um, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit in the future here, but the research here shows that for marijuana users, they did some research on people who were regular marijuana users and they compared that to their EQ or their emotional quotient. And what they found is that there was a, a significant correlation to the EQ or the, you know, operating emotional age and when they started smoking marijuana. So if I started smoking marijuana when I was 17 years old, my emotional quotient often was correlational to being about 17 years old emotionally. Now, this makes sense from the lens of if I begin to develop my addiction, and let's just say any addiction, it would make sense that the reason why I begin to form an addiction is, is that I go from using something, anything, marijuana, alcohol, pornography, whatever else it is, social media, same thing. I at first use it because it's entertaining or because I'm curious and I want to understand it or I want to know it better. Um, but eventually that moves into a place of being entertainment and curiosity moves to emotional reliance and emotional coping. And then that emotional coping is what actually sets it in as the addiction. So if I were to say, be a 14 year old boy and I stumble into pornography and I'm curious about it because I don't know what it is, but it kicks off all sorts of chemicals inside my body. But then over time I have maybe some traumatic things happen or I get rejected by some friends or, or whatever else. And now I know that I can turn to this place called pornography and it becomes my medicine for coping with sadness, boredom, anger, lonely, stress, hunger, rejection, whatever it is, my brain and my body start to form the habit that says, anytime I feel pain, I can check out by going to my state of drug of choice, right? If I have the stated drug of choice to go to, it does not require me to develop other forms of emotional coping that we can, that might be those adaptive skills that I need to learn to cope emotionally with my life, which then allows me to stay in the place emotionally of being a teenage boy who just has an outlet to cope with things when things get hard. Right. So that's one potential option of what might be happening here is, is that I haven't, I developed my addiction. That addiction prevented me from having to develop the skills that I needed to interact with people in different ways or to interact with my life in different ways or to grow or mature emotionally because I never needed to because I had my outlets. And so now, in essence, one potential option is, is to this, as an answer to this question is, is that. I have a gap between my physical age and my ability to cope. And part of recovery work is actually the building of those skills. I need to build emotional regulation skills. I need to build crisis survival skills. I need to build interpersonal effectiveness skills. And if I can start to build those things, there's a very good chance that I end up then feeling a little bit more in line with being the age that I actually am. Now, and I would argue that maybe sometimes that's not always the best thing. 
and it's really common actually for a lot of people, not just people with addictions to feel younger than they actually are physically. It's really common for people to feel about like they are in their prime somewhere in their twenties or late twenties, even if they get older and older, they still feel that age. It's, it's a phenomenon that, that happens to us as people all the time. Um, but that, that could be one potential option. A second potential option that might be contributing to this, and maybe it's going to be a combination of all of these things that we mentioned today, is that my own self-confidence is tied up in this, right? So if I'm going to work and I'm supposed to be a superior at work or even an equal, but I always feel like I'm the one in the one down position, that might not necessarily be like an age type of a thing. That might just be a self-confidence kind of a thing. And so if I have a way of putting myself below other people in order to get through life, that's a lot of times what Mr. Nice Guys do too, by the way. Um, it, it's it's some form of coping that is adaptive towards getting by in life, but it comes at the expense of my self-confidence. So then the thing that I'm trying to climb out of, which is not being in the one down position, I constantly then go and put myself in the one down position by extracting myself respect in order to get by in my day-to-day living, whether that's with my wife, or my, my coworkers or my kids or my peers, whatever else, it becomes this weird cycle where I'm withdrawing the very thing that I'm trying to build into in my recovery. And it gets pretty frustrating. And that's maybe why you feel, you know, emotionally immature, right? Um, so, so developing self-confidence becomes a pivotal part of the process. And if you're wanting to build self-confidence, some of the basic things that, you know, we teach over and over again, you guys hear these in a lot of other episodes is number one, the practice, the development and the practice of self-compassion. So instead of going, Oh, I'm man, I'm 50 years old, but I feel like an 18 year old. Like I'm so terrible. It's like, Oh, I'm recognizing that now that's actually pretty common for a lot of people, especially common for people who maybe relate to having an addiction. Um, can I meet myself with compassion and understanding instead of the judgment that I might be meeting myself with instead? Can I be kind to myself? Can I offer grace? Because that grace will be a better motivator towards growth and maturity than, than shame ever will be, right? So that could be one potential practice is, oh, I'm growing into things by practicing self-compassion, which by the way, is its own form of emotional maturity, just to practice that skill. Um, you also can in, employ, and I encourage this and everybody who's in recovery knows this, there's lots of different ways to vocalize this. We talk about dailies. We, we talk about something called the daily charge, which is the pursuit of connection, hobbies, attunement and mindfulness, uh, relaxation and proper sleep and rest, wrestling with a relationship with God, and then physical exercise. That's the daily charge that we use as sort of like base level dailies. But in essence, what dailies are is the pursuit of an emotional experience with the best part of myself every day in order to cultivate my heart. Now that work again is actually the work of emotional maturity to intentionally do the thing that sometimes I don't even want to do for the sake of cultivating the right heart, not just to keep me sober, which it will, it'll actually help with sobriety, but because that's the kind of life that I want to live. 
right? I'm living now with intention. I'm taking action. I'm cultivating the right kind of a heart. So that daily charge becomes really important. And if it's done consistently over time, it grows self-confidence. So you pair up the daily charge with self-compassion and you're beginning to actually provide a platform where that emotional maturity continues to grow. And, and then you can be more proficient at no deciding when you want to act like an 18 year old versus a 50 year old and when the right times are to do that. Right. Um, so the other part of this would be that there, there might be a, a skill set gap in the ability to communicate effectively with other people. And so reading the right kinds of books, you know, crucial conversations or the anatomy of peace would be a couple of books or boundaries, you know, any of the boundaries series that Henry Cloud and John Townsend talk about. Um, those would be good resources for developing and acquiring the interpersonal skills to help increase that emotional quotient as well. Um, or practicing, you know, healthy boundaries. DBT uses a skill called the fast skill, which is about assertiveness and being able to be an equal person in relationships instead of being in a one-up or a one-down position. Um, so, so those could be some some potential things that that might be going on there that might be on the problematic side of things, right? And so, you know, if I find myself maybe maybe saying and acting like a teenage kid when it's not in the right place, let's say, you know, I'm. I'm wanting to be playful in my relationship with my partner. And I come across as a 16 year old kid with my partner. And she gives me this look of like, dude, you are so immature right now. Maybe that's not the right time for that playfulness to come out. And so that's a time when I'd want to be more emotionally mature and act my age. Um, so that's, it's coming to know the situational awareness of when's the right time. Because I, I, the flip side to this question is, is I don't necessarily want you as a man, whether you're 50, whether you're 20, whether you're 70, I personally, and this is just my own opinion on it. And I'll give you an explanation as to why I believe this, but I, but I personally believe that one of the biggest issues with so many men that I work with is they actually lose touch with the inner child inside of them and losing touch with that inner child is actually part of the problem and part of the reason why the addiction stays so vibrant in their adult lives. What I mean by this is, is that I believe deep down inside we, you know, we as men are built with a couple of things that are sort of hardwired into us by God. And you can take this or leave it. You might have your own opinions on it. But I, I subscribe to that belief that John Eldridge talks about that the masculine heart, in order to feel the measure of its creation, so to speak, needs a few things. It needs to be tested. It needs a battle. It needs something to, to challenge it. We want to be challenged. And, and I know that this is true because I see it happen in my day-to-day -day life with my work with the men that I work with right now, where, you know, they come in and nobody likes to be told when we're doing something wrong or we feel vulnerable or they don't like getting feedback that they don't like. But I can't tell you how many times in my practice that this has happened in some form or another, where there's a man that comes in, 
he knows that he's loved by the group or by me, but then he gets challenged by something and he gets offended by it and he leaves only to come back a week or two later and go like, guys, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Thank you so much for like challenging me for, for pressing me to step into something that's uncomfortable or to change in some ways. And, and we have that built into us to grow. It's, it's built in by God. There's, there's an innate need for us to grow. And so getting challenged in those ways is something that's really important, right? Think of, think of, you know, think of how little boys operate. How do they think? What do they want to do? And it doesn't take very much thinking or observation to watch, like, just go watch a little kid out in the front yard. This is back to like my childhood or across the street at the church parking lot. I remember doing this. We got, you know, we got our first set of rollerblades. You know, those were so cool back when we were kids. I don't even know if I see them anymore. If anybody ever rides them anymore, but we got our first set of rollerblades. And what was the first thing we did? besides trying to just stay on our feet, we went and crashed a lot first, barely learned how to ride it. But as soon as we knew how to ride our rollerblades, even not very proficiently, the first thing that we did is went and tried to figure out how to build the biggest jump we could build. Right. And you go grab a few like little cinder blocks and some plywood, and you can't figure out why the, the, the wheels are getting stuck on that pinch point between the plywood and the concrete. But eventually you finally figure it out. And all you want to do is go and just send yourself full send off of that jump just to see if you can do it. Right. Like I believe that's part of the masculine heart and that's part of a little boy that oftentimes in our cubicleized lives, we lose touch with part of ourself there. And that's actually what then makes us feel dead inside. And it makes us want to check out some way or cope with life or go back to our old default setting of how we cope. And that then leads to more and more of the addiction and other things as well, the loss of heart. Right. So we need to be challenged. We need a battle to fight. We also, and I believe this goes all the way back into being like children, the little boy inside of us, the teenager inside of us, we need adventure. Like it's, it's part of the human condition to ache for some type of an adventure. And so often we're shutting down that part of ourselves because that part of ourselves has either been burned or because we've done something that has caused us a lot of pain or it hasn't worked properly. But in essence, what we've now done is put a shell of what we call this adult adult over the top of that little child part of us that actually still needs to pursue some of that adventure, right? So, So I don't want you to lose that part of it and just become you know, in quotes, air quotes, mature, right? Like there should be room for playfulness. There should be room for adventure. Uh, I remember I just went to, uh, we went and had a, a night last week with my daughters, all four of my daughters. I asked them what they wanted to do for the evening. And the week before we had gone to the trash car races and two of my daughters weren't able to go. So the two that weren't able to go were like, let's go do that again, dad. Like there's another trash car race tonight. Let's go to that. So I went to the trash car races with a couple of my good friends and then my kids and some of their friends. And so we're all sitting together, the three grown men, me and two of my friends are sitting up on the the bench in front of all the girls behind us. And (laughs) there was one, There was one point in the trash car races where 
like one of the drivers that was in the races was extremely aggressive. Like he wasn't even trying to win. He was just trying to cause havoc out there on the track, which then made it fun for us to watch. Right. And so he'd like do things where he, instead of going all the way around the track, he actually shortcut it and drove right through the middle and median of the track just so he could get behind somebody who had bumped him so he could bump him back. You know, all he wanted to do was just stir up mayhem. And eventually he ended up stirring so much mayhem that he pushed a different car into a bump and the bump tipped the car over and the car like spilled over and the battery came flying out and the guy's upside down in the car and, you know, and then they got him out and he was safe and he was okay. And as soon as we saw that he was safe and there's car parts all over the track and the guy's like trying to gather him up and walk off with, you know, walk off the track, me and the two adult men that I was with my buddies, we just lost it laughing. Like I haven't laughed that hard in a really, really long time. And, you know, I felt in that moment, I felt like a little boy again, having just witnessed this, like, just this, the, the adrenaline rush, the excitement, the humor of the, the look on the guy's face as he's like walking off the track, the, the craziness of the situation that we were in, the event that we were at, all of that kind of came together where me and two other grown men are just laughing so hard that I lost my breath. I turned bright red. I could barely breathe. The two friends that I was with were also laughing that hard. And then we finally kind of were able to catch our breath again. And we're looking, we turn back and look up and it's our daughters that are actually laughing at us because of us laughing. Right. And they're like, you guys are just like a bunch of little boys again, you know, like, well, in that setting, it might not be a bad thing to be able to have the little boy come out. Right. It's actually probably I would say in the right setting, a form of good health to allow the little boy to come out in a setting like that. That's why you go to those kinds of events. It's an, it's a proper chimney. It's a proper Avenue. So if I'm showing up at the trash car races with my friends and having a good time and being able to laugh like a little boy there, that's different than maybe trying to have be in a serious conversation with my partner and showing up as a 16 year old kid, who's going to be sarcastic or, you know, we're not be able to hold space or not be able to show empathy or, or get defensive. So, so understanding the situation and when it's okay to nurture that little boy inside becomes really important. It, I don't, I wouldn't advocate killing that part of yourself off right? It's probably, that might even be part of the reason why you're feeling like a little boy is that it's that part of you inside that is screaming out to be seen and paid attention to and validated in the proper ways so that it doesn't manifest itself in these other ways that are causing problems in, in your day-to-day life. So um, hopefully this is kind of a helpful conversation for some of you as you're thinking about things that you don't necessarily want to lose your youthfulness. You don't want to lose the playfulness, the adventure, the need for, you know, a challenge. That's all part of the goodness. It's just a matter of developing the right skill set so that you can chimney and channel that energy to places where it's effective and it's allowed to be expressed in a way that's going to be positive and then being able to then also develop the skill sets that you need practicing self-compassion doing the daily charge developing skills for assertiveness developing skills for connection empathy and then also boundaries 
And if you bring those things together, that's maybe how that emotional maturity starts to happen. So be interested to know your thoughts on this. Hopefully this is helpful and an interesting conversation. It's definitely had me thinking for the last week. And again, thank you to our listeners who are here. Thank you for your support. You guys have an awesome week.